It's good to be with you guys this morning and get to share a little bit of what uh, God is doing. Um, This is our second of three weeks where we're focusing on mission, the mission of God. We do this every year. And uh, as Colin announced last week, there'll be a collection uh, next week. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But I wanted to start by saying emphatically, God wants to overturn the whole world. Since the Garden of Eden, God has been working for the radical realteration of the whole world. Every society, every culture, every nation, every nation, every language, every tribe, every community, every village, God has been working for the radical realteration of the whole world. And what God is doing must be radical. Because the misery of the world cries out to heaven. The misery that every heart struggles with as we are on the, dealing with the difficulties of our earthly journey. But that begs the question, how? How does God bring about the radical alteration of the whole world? I want to read a quote from a guy that I have come to appreciate very much, a German guy by the name of Gerhard Lofink. And he says this, This is kind of a long reading, so hang with me. God begins in a small way at one single place in the world. There must be a place, visible, tangible, where the salvation of the world can begin. That is, where the world becomes what it is supposed to be according to God's plan. Beginning in that place, the new thing can spread abroad. But not through persuasion, not through indoctrination, not through violence. Everyone must have the opportunity to come and see. All must have the chance to behold and test this new thing. Then, if they want, they can allow themselves to be drawn into the history of salvation that God is creating. What drives them to this new thing cannot be force, not even moral pressure, but only a fascination of a world that is changed. Would you bow with me as we invite God to bless this conversation this morning? Oh God, this is our dream, but sometimes we find it hard to dream. We want so much, Father, for you to change our world, for you to change it north to south, east to west. God, 
we dream about, we want to believe that you will fix what is broken, heal what is sick. We dream, Father, of the day that you will renew what is worn out and revive what is tired. Father, this morning we bow before you and we invite you into this place. God, would you help turn our attention toward you? Would you form in us your heart's desire for a different world? It's so hard, Father, to hope for and believe in a world that is different, a world that is free of hatred, a world that is free of violence. Father, we struggle believing and hoping for a world full of compassion and love. But Father, this morning, would you help us hope? And finally, God, would you fill us with courage? Would you fill us with the empowerment of your Holy Spirit to go into our world near and far and share this new thing that you're creating? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So about a week and a half ago, I was on a phone call with Kevin Vance, Greenville Oaks missionary in north central Regina, Saskatchewan. And he and I hadn't talked in a while, so we were catching up, and he shared something with me that nearly took my breath away. He said to me, he said, Todd, do you realize that in the province of Saskatchewan, that First Nations girls, now First Nations is the Canadian way of talking about Native Americans. He said, First Nation girls in the province of Saskatchewan are 23 times more likely to commit suicide than the average girl in Saskatchewan. I'll let that sink in for just a minute. 23 times. So let me say it a slightly different way. First Nation girls are 23 times more likely to commit suicide than white girls. I mean, not to put too fine of a point on it, but that's what that statistic means. That is staggering. First Nation girls don't commit suicide twice as much as white girls. They don't commit suicide 10 times as much. They commit suicide 23 times as much. Oh my word. That statistic is all the more powerful when you hear what one of the girls that is involved in Kevin's ministry said to him. She said to him, Mr. Kevin, if it wasn't for the Gentle Road Church, I wouldn't be here. She was confessing that she would have already committed suicide. A moment ago, I asked how God can possibly change the world at the deepest level. He does it by showing up in specific people and changing someone's life so that they don't commit suicide. And this started all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruit, and God crossed whatever that boundary is that separates heaven and earth, 
And it says God was walking through the garden as Adam and Eve were hiding away, shame, uh, full of shame because of their sin. And God is walking through the garden and he's calling out, where are you? And starting in that very moment, God has been walking through this earth through this world. He has been coming to specific places and to specific people at specific times, and he has been calling them back to himself. Every one of us has heard that call. Where are you? Come back to me. Starting in that very moment, God has, in many different ways, crossed that boundary between heaven and earth and called us, his wandering children, back to him. And when he does, he begins to set the world right again. That is the mission of God. To reconcile relationships between him and everyone else, and reconcile relationships between people, and through those reconciled relationships, to set the world right again. Do you know what a world set right looks like? In a world set right, there is no more sickness. Every morning, I get up and I put this bracelet on, and it is a daily reminder that I am a survivor of brain cancer. If you're a survivor of cancer, would you raise your hand? If you are a loved one of somebody who is, has survived cancer, would you raise your hand? Keep your hands up. If you have lost somebody to cancer, raise your hand. In God's world set right, there is no more sickness. Amen? In God's world set right, There is no more haves and have-nots. In God's world set right, they're all haves, right? In God's world set right, there is no violence, there is no injustice. There's no oppression. In God's world set right, there are no perpetrators and victims. There is no addiction and depression, In God's world set right, there are no more red and yellow and black and white people. There's just people. Children of God. In God's world set right, everyone and everything has been reconciled by the love of God penetrating the world. That is the mission of God. And you know what's crazy about God's mission? I mean, what's, what's really crazy about his mission is that he, instead of snapping his divine fingers and just setting the world right again, he uses us. And some of you know me well enough to know that's nuts. And furthermore, I know some of you well enough, and I think that's nuts. But that's what God does. 
He reconciles us. He, he shows us transformative love. And then he sends us out into the world to penetrate the places where we go with that love. And in so doing, he sets the world right again. We are God's mission strategy. Let that sink in a minute. That's it. There is no plan B. We're it. He's done his thing. He's called us. He sent his Holy Spirit. He's transforming us, and he sends us into the world. God's changing the world by teaching us to love and then sending us to embody that love in particular places. Sometimes he sends us to faraway places to penetrate those places among very different people from us. Like Greenville Oaks missionaries Caleb and Jenny Beck, who left Texas and moved to Rwanda. Now this is a bit of a stretch. We in America are not awesome at geography, but you know Rwanda, right? 23 years ago, there was a massive genocide in the country of Rwanda. Nearly a million people were murdered in 100 days. Now, some of you, your brains are kind of math brains. You're already doing the calculation. That's nearly 10,000 murders a day for 100 days. And I had James Voss come up to me before this service. He said, by the way, he's been reading a book on it. And he said, that means there was roughly one murder every six minutes for three and a half months. Unbelievable. Caleb and Jenny move from Texas to Rwanda to a country that has such a dark past. And they did it precisely to penetrate Rwanda with God's love. You know what? Caleb and Jenny and their kids and the people they work with are helping to set the world right again. Amen? Sometimes God sends us to a place that's not so far away, but still quite different, like our missionaries, Kevin and Lisa Vance, who moved from a nice suburban neighborhood in Regina, Saskatchewan, into an inner city neighborhood called North Central Regina, about a mile and a half square. Not a big place. But this inner city neighborhood in, in Regina was labeled Canada's worst neighborhood in 2007. They have the highest incidence of drug use per capita than any place in Canada. And if you are the least bit familiar with Vancouver, the city of Vancouver, particularly Southeast Vancouver Island, that's saying something. The highest incidence of drug use per capita in Canada. Inner city Regina, Saskatchewan has been at the top of Canada's urban crime rankings for a decade. And this neighborhood is in the middle of a massive prairie, but somehow it's become a very dark little enclave in the middle of Canada. And not to be indelicate, 
But North Central Regina is a place where most days you can see pre-teen girls working what they call the stroll. Kevin and Lisa Vance moved from their suburban neighborhood into North Central Regina precisely to penetrate North Central Regina with God's love. They are helping set the world right again. And sometimes he sends us across town or across the street to people that are very much like us to penetrate our neighborhoods and our communities with his love and help set the world right again. God's love penetrates our world through specific people in specific places, just like he did in Jesus. That's the message of John chapter 1, verse 14, where he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us right here. He was our neighbor. He was our friend. He was our coworker. Jesus came to a specific place in a specific time, and from that visible, tangible place, salvation entered the world. And you know what's really cool? It still does. Salvation still enters the world as God's people speak His love, behave His love in specific places. God still comes into the world through people like the Becks and the Vances, and through so many of you who have traveled to places like Guyana and Canada and Panama and Belize to penetrate those places and demonstrate God's love in very specific and tangible ways. So why do we send money to these missionaries that are halfway across the world or up in the frozen great white north of Canada? And it's simple. It's because we, including the Vances and the Becks, are God's mission strategy for penetrating the world with his love. So next week, we are going to pass the plate twice. We're going to pass the plate for the normal collection, and then we're going to pass the plate for the mission collection. And we are asking you to dig deep. We are bringing... The largest mission, we are asking for the largest mission collection in the history of Greenville Oaks. For three reasons, very simple. So that the Becks can continue doing what they're doing, penetrating Rwanda with God's love. 2018 is going to be an important year for God's work in Rwanda. You see, because of the genocide, They have been working in small little discipleship groups in Rwanda, not gathering everybody together in large congregations because some of the people that were perpetrators of the violence and their victims used to worship together in the same church. That's right. And so the Becks and their teammates decided maybe we don't need to pull them together. Let's work in these small discipleship groups. And those over the last 10 years have multiplied. And there's a whole bunch of them. And they've discovered that what this movement needs 
is coherence. And so they're going to start pulling them together into fellowship groups in 2018 to help spur the movement that has begun and help it multiply. 2018 is a big year for the work in Rwanda. The second reason we are asking for a record mission uh, contribution next week is so that the Vances can continue doing what they're doing in Saskatchewan. The really cool thing that we've been talking with the Vances about since they came to Mission Alive in 2011 is that the vision couldn't just be North Central Regina. And so finally in 2018, we're expecting to see that work multiply into two new locations so that the Gentle Road Church will actually exist in three locations. The two new places on First Nations reserves. Kevin and his team have been interacting with leaders on these various First Nations reserves, and they've been invited to do what they do in North Central on those reserves. And if you've ever heard Kevin talk about the history uh, between white Christians and First Nations people in Canada, the fact that they're being invited onto the reserves is a miracle unto itself. There is such a bad history. And so, Lord willing, a year from now, when we do mission emphasis next year, Gentle Road will exist in three locations. And the third reason that we're asking for a record budget is so that all of us here can go penetrate other places with God's love. Perhaps Canada, perhaps Panama, perhaps Belize, and even here in Collin County. So we're bringing what we call a vision budget. And I want to acknowledge for just a moment that we have, we're seeking a massive change. It used to be that the missionary salaries came out of the general fund, and we have set a goal to pull all of their salaries into the mission fund so that the church is freed up to do more mission work here locally. And so we're calling this a vision budget, 210000 That is a stretch, but it is very doable. But I want to underscore, and I think we had a, there we go. Uh, so you guys can see this. If you, uh, if you pick up our mission bulletin that Galen mentioned a minute ago, they'll be at each of the doors. The ex- explanation is in here. But I want to underscore something as we wrap this up. I want to underscore that the mission of God has never succeeded or failed because of money. It's not about money. It is about the power of God working through his people. It's about us playing our role in God's mission. And so I want to leave you with three challenges. It's the three challenges that have, that have given a theme to these three weeks. And the first one is to pray. God's mission will not succeed because of what we do or because of money. It will succeed as we surrender ourselves to God working through us and as we call upon God to work through the becks and the vances. So the first challenge I give to you is pray. The second challenge is to give because while God's mission has never succeeded or failed because of money, the becks and the vances, they need support. And so we're asking you to help support them so they can keep penetrating those places with God's love. And thirdly, our challenge is to go. 
Join a mission trip, go to Canada, go to Panama, go to Belize, or just go across the street to a coffee shop or to a gym where you work out, or go to, your, the, to a place of work and set up a Bible study. Go wherever you go and penetrate those places with the love of God. I want to share with you a final story. It's one that Caleb Beck shared with us. It was an experience he had as they were going through a graduation ceremony for their Peace House program. They had nine people graduating that program. Now, if you're not familiar with what that is, the Peace House program is a program where they take young people, uh, boys and girls, young teenagers and pre-teenagers, off the street, they teach them a trade, a craft, in order to keep them from having to live their life on the street and all that ramifies out from that. And as they're in the program learning a vocation and getting education, they also are going through discipleship. They're in Bible studies and they're learning about God. And in a recent graduation ceremony where nine people were graduating from that program, they, they asked one of the young women to share her testimony. This is what she said. She told them that she was forced into prostitution by her mother, who had had her when her mother was 13 years old. And because of the prostitution, the young girl became pregnant. And when she told her mother that she was pregnant, her mother told her to get an abortion. And then Caleb writes this. But because of the Bible studies and the community that she had found in the Peace House program, she decided to keep the baby. Her mother has since disowned her. God's love is penetrating the darkness in Rwanda. And there is a little baby alive today as proof. I want to finish with another reading from my German friend, Gerhard Lofink. He says this, Clearly, this change in the world must begin in human beings. But not at all by their seeking through heroic effort to make themselves the locus of this new altered world. Rather, it begins when they listen to God open themselves to God, and allow God to act. So, pray, give, and go, so that the world will be penetrated by the love of God that's in you.